0: Welcome to the 19th episode of Quarantined Market Podcast, where some academics get together in the self-isolating comfort of our pajamas and talk about particular keywords in the present historical moment. So the keyword for today is resource, which will lead to foundational economy. And as guests today, we have Sukhdev Johal and uh, Alan, would you like to introduce Sukdev for us? I
1: most certainly would. Uh, Sukhdev is Chair in Accounting and Strategy at Queen Mary University of London. He looks broadly at questions of political economy um, and is a longtime research collaborator with the CRESC research team that is the Centre for Research on Sociocultural Change. He's co-author of several books, um, After the Great Complacence, Financialization at Work, Financialization and Strategy. And most recently, Foundational Economy, the Infrastructure of Everyday Life. So hello, Sukhdev, and welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Joel. Okay, Um, in terms of kind of resources, first of all, I even got changed for this interview today. Okay, I'm not in my pyjamas. And we're in my kind of delightful kind of clapton top, and um, hopefully kind of prepared. Okay, the big subject of resources. It's a very big topic area as you were asking me to to do this, I mean, it was kind of a daunting kind of prospect. And I was trying my best to kind of wriggle out of it without kind of offending anybody. But anyway, let's, we're going to do this. It's a big subject. Um, And if we start with kind of resources, they could be kind of considered resources, for example, in terms of stock or supply of assets, you know, could be money, could be natural resources. I mean, after all, we could have been talking about kind of mineral rights here. But kind of broadly, if we put it into kind of a there is I say, kind of an economics kind of sense. It's land, labour, and essentially kind of capital. There is kind of a second kind of uh, approach to kind of resources and how we can define it. And it could be how resources are deployed. And what I want to do today is to combine the two. I can't cover everything related to kind of resources, and I'm not going to pretend that I'm a, I'm a world's kind of expert on kind of defining what resources are. But what I can do is to demonstrate what resources we actually have as a society, and how they can be applied. How does that fit out.
1: That sounds great. Where, where would you like to start?
2: Um, well, rather than trap ourselves in the kind of the definitions, let's start with activity and category. And the term I want to use is it's kind of something that I've been working on um, with along with the Foundational Economy Collective. It's what followed after CREST lost its funding; it came to an end. Um, so I'm part of, kind of the Foundational Economy Collective and we've been working on kind of the ideas related to foundational economy for about seven years. And I want to kind of talk about this kind of uh, foundational economy as, as a kind of a vehicle to demonstrate what resources we have as a society um, and how we kind of apply them. And I've got to s- start with one first of all, is an apology. If some of your listeners are outside the U- U.K., um, I'll predominantly be using UK examples, but I'm going to start with kind of the foundational economy, um, because it both contains the kind of the stock of assets, and um, you can demonstrate how those resources and those assets are actually deployed and are important for everyday life. What are these kind of foundational economy activities? Um, You've probably not given it much thought. Why would we? Your phone alarm would have gone off um, on a phone that was charged using electricity. Electricity is part of the foundational economy. The heating came on um, you had a shower and you ate breakfast and the post was delivered. You replied to emails um, perhaps not now, but went to work on a train while the kids went off to school. All of these activities fall under the umbrella of foundational economy. So it's kind of a broad term. Pre-COVID, the sector was largely ignored or suffered kind of cuts uh, and generally was kind of derided in the belief that, well, much of the foundational economy is in the public sector, but not exclusively, that they weren't efficient. These were activities that could largely be kind of ignored. Now, we're in the middle of the crisis and it's not over. The foundational economy is part of the economy that has kept... Uh, actually us and the economy kind of going. We've all been kind of hugely kind of dependent on the supply chains of kind of supermarkets delivering kind of food and and, and, and drink, Um, the healthcare system, the care system, the schools, which have kind of closed, but the teachers are now required to work online. We've used broadband. Um, Yes, we've actually found out which part of the economy is really vital to us. And it is, if there's ever been a kind of a case for kind of the foundation economy, it is now. And the important thing here is um, that it's the activities which provide the essential activities for everyday life. The only time you actually worry about kind of, you know, for example, the water supply being cut off is when you want to use the water, but there's a huge resources that goes backwards from the pipes to your house. Up to kind of, kind of, you know, how water is kind of collected and purified, and and also kind of storage. Um, There's a whole infrastructure. There's a lot of resources applied, and most people have not given it much kind of thought about how we've organised those resources to ensure that the service is actually delivered to your house, and who has ownership of it. Now, in terms of kind of the foundational economy, we can broadly break it up into three parts. And if I give you kind of scale and magnitude, and this is only kind of the UK, and I'll use kind of regions for this because the foundational economy exists in all parts of the economy. And they're not just simply going to say, for example, organised in say Wales or Scotland. Um, They exist in every area. And everybody uses foundational economy activities daily approximately in kind of economically weaker regions like kind of Wales and and, and the Northeast, about 45 to to 50% of the economy is related to the foundational economy activities. Providing the area doesn't depopulate, there'll always be a demand for foundational economy activities. I mean, in places like kind of London, um, about 35% of the employment is in kind of foundational economy. So it exists kind of everywhere. We break foundational economy into kind of three parts: material foundational economy, providential foundational economy, and the overlooked foundational economy. In terms of material FE, it's like kind of the you know, pipe, cable, utilities, supermarkets. They're organised through a combination of networks and branches that continually um, and without interruption connect households to the daily essentials providential foundation economy provides the universal services that we've actually realized are really really important things like health care education and the third bit of the foundation economy is the overlooked economy these are kind of the mundane kind of goods and services that we occasionally can purchase i might be sofas haircuts Often they're low-tech, most importantly, they're often sheltered activities that aren't part of the global, of a neoliberal world, to a globalised kind of world. Um, and what we're looking at here is nearly about 40% of the economy that is actually sheltered and is not part of the global economy.
1: Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by sheltered? It's just to do with the distinction between what's public and what's
2: private, I'm using sheltered. It's not part of kind of uh, exposed to global trade. It's going to be a long time before you can, You know, living in, in, in say Leicester, you'll be getting a haircut in Cologne. These activities can be in the private sector or the public sector. The activity of foundation economy is a large employer and it's population related. It's what kind of allows us to have a civilized kind of existence.
0: Now, with the break of the global COVID pandemic, there's obviously been a new kind of recognition of what you have now conceptualized as these foundational economy elements in our everyday lives. And of course, there has been a long neoliberal trend where we could call abstract services such as finance and other expert work have been deemed as the most valuable, the most global and the most uh, appreciated in terms of. Renumeration in society. So what do you feel will there be any lasting impact of this new sort of recognition of more foundational uh, service work or more foundational economy work, uh, especially now that we have to recognize that these what we have typically seen as higher level service work are increasingly abstracted and have very little direct relevance to anybody's life?
2: First of all, that deployment of these resources of an economy is always a political choice. It's very difficult to tell how post-crisis economies, I mean, our our political masters will decide how they want to kind of deal with the kind of issue of which will be kind of more debt. Or are we going to kind of privilege or give greater prominence to foundational economy activities? Or will the default position be... That more austerity. This is a kind of a, a political kind of choice. In terms of kind of an awareness, the one thing that we can say for sure now is that people are more aware of foundational economy activities taken for granted. Um, things like kind of care um, is a is, is, is kind of classic example of how largely We've been trying to kind of get care on the cheap. We've allowed private sector companies, particularly private equity, who want returns of 12 to 15% on kind of return on capital employed. We need to kind of make that kind of more kind of visible, but the politicizing of a kind of a message. Now, this crosses all kind of political kind of divides. I mean, you know, who would be against kind of having a vibrant and a resilient foundational economy activity, but there is going to be a price to be paid here.
0: I continue to be interested in the idea of how uh, financialization that you already mentioned, and this idea of global flows of finance have created a situation where it would seem to me that the finance markets are so abstracted from anything, if you will, tangible, that it's very hard to draw a comparison anymore into the idea of a future value of a potential stock to anything what's happening really in the present time, in the present moment. A simple example, of course, here would be, let's say you're buying an airplane ticket on on an internet service, and the price of an airplane ticket can bump up tenfold in one hour, depending on when you're buying it. So there seems to be very little correlation, even though this is just a very silly example, there seems to be very little correlation with actual production and then the future discounted value of any, any offering that can be only manipulated by very large and consolidated monopolistic companies these days.
2: That's kind of a, a really kind of good point. Um, in terms of kind of financialization, financialized kind of corporations are increasingly encroaching into the foundational economy. Here, You look at kind of, you know, how, the levers that traditional kind of say governments had when they owned gas, water, and electricity, which historically made money that could be reapplied for a better collective outcome. That's largely been kind of taken away and privatized and part of the kind of the chain of kind of ownership where returns are, are, are set by finance market. But let's kind of step back on a kind of finance market. When we say kind of finance, you um, should actually be kind of separating out what is kind of investment kind of banking, um, high finance, is there, as, as some people kind of call it, um, kind of, you know, banking, retail banking, the banking that you do in your branch, the mundane kind of stuff, is part of everyday life. I mean, it is part of kind of the foundational economy. But where that money goes And how it's applied and it becomes kind of part of kind of the global finance chain is something that's particularly kind of troubling in the way that it's used and how it brings fragility into the economy. And also, I mean, as you rightly say, kind of, it devolves itself from the responsibility of consequences of dealing. Essentially, what you're doing is kind of betting the company. But if we take kind of um, high finance and investments in companies, the value of shares. Ask yourself one kind of question: Where does the actual money that these investment houses invest? Where does it actually come from? Overwhelmingly, but not exclusively, pension funds um, have investment managers who invest on our behalf. Their aims uh, have primacy over what is kind of should be collective welfare.
0: Kind of where I'm. Tapping into this idea is I, um, in a rather recent uh, Theory, Culture and Society paper, you talk about uh, evidence machines. And I was just thinking that, could one think that when these notions such as financialized capital, financial services, when they become so abstract and so disjointed from anything tangible, then this is what... uh, you need to put in place these sort of evidence machines that create the narrative for their necessity, especially if you look at a world as a rather distributed system where power and responsibility has almost disappeared into its workings. It's very hard to tell who is responsible for anything in the global scheme of things. So I was just interested in the concept of evidence machine that you used in one of your
2: your papers. In terms of kind of um, evidence and evidence Kind of machines. Part of our responsibility of being kind of, we are essentially kind of the paid intelligentsia. I and mean, that's kind of, you know, we're, we're getting kind of paid for this. Part of our responsibility should be to kind of not only research this, but also to kind of make visible the fault lines, but also kind of the consequences of those kind of fault lines. The narrative, the dominant narrative coming largely from kind of finance. It's it's, it's something. The machine is is big. The lobbying power is great, but you've got to also kind of remember, in terms of our kind of politics, was largely kind of influenced and paid for by finance. What happens to a kind of a politician after they can lose their seat? Where do they move into? And that's where kind of you know part of the kind of the fault line um, lies is not only just the generation the evidence kind of machine but also the political kind of machine where um, certainly in the UK, power has become increasingly kind of centralised and where kind of creating kind of change can largely be kind of deflected as single issues rather than we're looking at kind of the whole machine where um, many activities have been subsumed under the umbrella of kind of finance. Um, You get kind of bizarre kind of outcomes if you're looking kind of abstract. I mean, this is not a recent phenomenon. This has been happening for a long time, um, ICI in the UK used to be one of the UK's largest um, manufacturing companies. In fact, it was the largest, but it had a pharmaceutical kind of business that was often kind of counter-cyclical because ICI was in kind of a cyclical kind of business, and the pharmaceutical arm helped to kind of buttress kind of profits um, and also kind of smooth the, kind of the cash flow when there was a kind of recession. The problem there was, was that ICI was valued as, as, as a general kind of chemical company, not a pharmaceutical company. So it had to float off its pharmaceutical arm and then was left with kind of a rag bag of kind of activities that were kind of pretty much cyclical, not counter cyclical. Um, and where is ICI now? Um, well, it's been broken up into little parts and now is a subsidiary of Axon Nobel. But yes, the dominance of kind of finance is something, it requires kind of political intervention. Of a kind of kind where we can't just say we can devolve political decision making to the politicians as though it's for a kind of a better outcome, regardless of whether we vote or we don't vote or whether we believe in kind of, you know, that it's possible to kind of reform kind of capitalism. And we've got to kind of be more kind of politically alert and aware and and prepared to intervene.
1: So, I'd like to uh, discuss with you some particular instances of where we see dysfunctions and the foundational economy. So, I know one area that you're especially interested in is broadband and Wi-Fi. Can you please outline, like, where this kind of thinking allows us to see particular problems?
2: I think we've actually realised how important kind of broadband actually is in 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 this kind of crisis. Certainly, in the kind of the UK. What used to be the kind of the the, the monopolistic, um, but nationalised supplier of telephony, British Telecom (BT), have actually been privatised, and so broadband is very important for everybody in society, and that requires kind of rigging up to rural locations where it will be expensive; the returns will not fit any kind of metric. Um, from a kind of investment kind of sense. But now that kind of BT wants to be kind of paid by the state to connect kind of rural kind of broadband, should the broader of kind of political kind of issue is, should we kind of have given ownership of the wires into the households to any kind of private company? I mean, if we go back to kind of BT in an earlier period, if you look to kind of telephone connections, Everybody, every household, everyone who wanted a, uh, a phone connection paid the same price, whether you were two foot away from the um, telephone exchange or whether you were 10 miles away. So the cost was spread thinly across everybody. And what that gave was kind of universal kind of connection. What we've steadily got with privatization is um, what you've got is they love to kind of wire up kind of urban areas um, because the cost could be spread over a kind of greater number of kind of consumer kind of units. So kind of any kind of metric you want to use, it will generate a kind of return. Um, two steps here. Um, who should own broadband? Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that kind of it should be kind of directly a central state. It could be kind of regionally owned and could be cooperatively owned, but should the profits that are made through broadband not be kind of reapplied? to improving the service, which is now a vital kind of service. I think anybody who says that broadband is not a public utility is largely deluding themselves.
1: Would you want to say that we're caught in this downward spiral whereby because the foundational economy is not properly been managed, it puts extra pressure and burdens, especially on working-class households, who in turn then are unable to reproduce the foundation economy. So I'm thinking, for example, of how working class people get priced out of certain parts of a city, but nonetheless their labor is still required in order to, to keep that city going.
2: And again, let's put this under the coronavirus umbrella here. And um, what we've actually realized is that the consequences of kind of having kind of unregulated kind of rents and uh house prices that bear very little kind of reflection of what kind of society you actually need. What you're finding is that we have to kind of keep the transport system running so the essential workers, mainly in the foundational economy, can actually get to work. That's the kind of the real kind of concern of kind of dysfunction, talking largely kind of urban areas here, um, the dysfunctional kind of city where um, your essential key workers actually live so far away where they work. That's kind of, you know, what have we achieved in the last kind of 40 years? A dysfunctional kind of city that works against kind of people. You know, what is housing for? Um, Should it be used as kind of an investment kind of vehicle or just somewhere where you need to live? Um, Not only to live, to raise a kind of a family, um, but also to be living pretty close to where you're working.
0: Uh, Many elements of foundational economy tend to be quite tangible very often. Uh, Of course, we can talk about care and more uh, intangible aspects of it as well. But now that we see how corona has sort of heightened our awareness of the foundational elements of the economy, where do you see this leaves the university and let's say humanities? Because of course, depending on who you ask, you can probably get a very different uh, answer on how uh, foundational of a service, if you will, the university is or not. And uh, of course, this is also very uh, contingent on the commercialization of universities as well, which is very different in the UK than, for example, in Finland. Where do you see the university in all of this?
2: Difficult kind of question, because, you know, in in, in, in the bubble of the kind of the UK, we're part of kind of the globalization of kind of education and the global kind of system. But the universities now, um, with the exposure of globalisation that requires students to travel, there are many universities in the UK that are overwhelmingly dependent on overseas students. If that kind of, shall we say, kind of uh, value chain is disrupted um, from a kind of, you know, uh, a, a vice chancellor's kind of standpoint, their default position is going to be cuts. And in terms of kind of cuts, um, it's without any kind of debate or any kind of alternative. And the default position will be kind of cuts. Um, and also, in the first instance, picking off the most vulnerable. And here in kind of universities in the UK, there's a large army of casualised um, workforce that is losing their jobs. I mean, they just won't have their kind of contracts kind of renewed. And no doubt kind of the, the university accountants are kind of, you know, saying to themselves, well, that's kind of a really good move. It's um, such profound kind of consequences. But universities are stuffed in the UK with reserves, many of them unrestricted. Um, there is possibilities of having kind of alternatives, but where are the academics in kind of providing these kind of ideas for alternatives? I mean, things like, why can't we kind of consider a pensions holiday that will kind of give universities some level of savings on the grounds that much of the disruption will pass and things will return, not necessarily to what it was in the past, but a large portion of it will return. Um, should we be looking to preserve the structure of the universities or are we going to kind of move into... Um, allowing kind of universities, which are now not largely kind of autonomous to shut departments down, where in some instances regionally, we might not actually have any provision for certain subjects. This happened predominantly in kind of sciences and engineering in, 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 in the UK. Um, when you kind of brought the private sector kind of calculation into kind of universities, would it be any kind of surprise if university vice chancellors behave with that kind of mentality?
1: Sukhdev, I'd like to ask you, uh, because myself and you are consumer researchers, and hence our tendency is to focus on these kind of um, very intense parts of consumer experience, you know, uh, issues of lifestyle and so on, whereas... Taking um, thinking of the foundational economy pulls us back to the more kind of humble, mundane, everyday aspects of life. Would you want to say that because we have too much of an emphasis, and I mean people in general now, on that sort of those heightened aspects of consumer experience, that we've neglected uh, the foundational economy, which is the basic infrastructure of our lives? I'm taking of a kind of a cliched explanation of what marketing is that marketing is not about the steak, it's about the sizzle. So I gather in that we're, we spend way too much time thinking about the sizzle and not about the steak.
2: Perhaps have a look at what foundation economy is. What kind of contribution can you make? The foundation economy is still you know, evolving. And um, if the foundation economy, kind of the definition of it, um, is, is predominantly an urban, you know, um, an industrialized economy one, it can equally be applied with adaptation into in kind of, say, kind of South America, I'm with you know, local researchers who know about the kind of the, the organizations and, and of, of these activities in their, in, in their countries. Yes, I want more kind of people. Of course, we want more people working in this area, but that's kind of a personal kind of choice.
0: This uh, brings to mind a sort of current paradox that you see in the narrative regarding the global pandemic. It is at the same time we see this recognition of these foundational economy services. So we, we give these people who work in these forms, we give them more recognition. There's been calls to give them applause, calling them heroes of our society. But at the same time, a simu- there's a simultaneous narrative of expendability. So now go get back to work. Go get back to work, typically, or very often at least, in a, a forms of work where people do get exposed to the virus much more readily than others. So there is this interesting recognition, but at the same time, it looks like this kind of recognition will not really be readily carrying over to a real, if you will, recognition of class in this sense. What do you make of that?
2: Um, Jill, I mean, I... I, I th- you know, don't give us applause, give us kind of you know, decent terms and conditions of employment, right, um, is, is one of the obvious kind of um, responses to this. But it also kind of brings me back to, I can't remember from which book it comes from, where I'd love to be charitable, providing it didn't cost me any money. And that is going to be the real problem is um, we're going to have to pay more for these activities. The struggle is actually in the workplace, should we say, um, certain activities that are more privileged than others. Have to take less of uh, 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 the pie, but it's kind of you know what comes after COVID nineteen. If you want a better healthcare system in the NHS in the UK, it's called it's the National Health Service. It's you know funded through kind of employee taxes, not employer taxes. Here, um, what you've been running is kind of running the NHS under kind of metrics that are largely for kind of the private sector. So. Issues such as kind of lean procurement, running kind of activities at kind of 90, 92, 93 kind percent of capacity utilization. Essentially, what we've done is we've converted over this crisis. The NHS is no longer the National Health Service. It's become the COVID-19 Health Service because everything else is kind of delayed. Um, and that's required a kind of redeployment of staff that in the private sector people would have been paid to do. And if we want to do more than just applause, and Gary Young in The Guardian in in the the Financial Times wrote on, you know, um, what are we actually applauding for? The, The struggle is going to be kind of, it's a political kind of struggle, but it's a political kind of struggle that's based on kind of whether we are prepared to kind of forget how important foundational economy activities were and are to everyday existence when all these other things that are so much more kind of glamorous take the kind of the mental and the political consciousness space in our heads.
1: Do you think that this is a class issue, trying to uh, raise more awareness of foundational economy? Is it useful to think of it as, as inherently one of class antagonism?
2: Um, I think it kind of crosses, I mean, instinctively, or do I want to say kind of guessed, but... I think it also kind of crosses kind of divides here. When you're talking about kind of class, remember in many of these activities, we've got many kind of classes working in foundational economy activities within the kind of same workplace as well. It's not as kind of clear cut that you can actually have a kind of a construction of kind of classes this or it's that. But if we're looking at kind of collectivized kind of activities, certainly in terms of kind of health and care, it has all kinds of problems, but it's universalized. You get care based on need. Obviously, kind of there is some, kind of the, the, the general practitioner who is the kind of the chief kind of rational in this kind of system. But typically the collectivized kind of welfare um, is spread thinly across everybody. There is a kind of a class kind of element to it if we look at it from capital's kind of perspective. The largest kind of savers are the middle classes upper and and, and middle classes. Most of the kind of savings being applied and then invested in kind of companies to generate a kind of return. So if we're looking at kind of of class, it doesn't feel kind of fall tightly into the kind of the box because the public sector continues, regardless of your income, to offer universalized uh, guaranteed incomes at the end of your working life. We're really looking at kind of the reform of kind of how our capital is invested. Um, and I've got a kind of few ideas on, 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 on that as well, in part of the umbrella of the foundation of the economy, is that the return after we're paying all these intermediaries to take a massive clip from savings. Why don't we kind of say to pension funds, look, lend to us at 5% coupon rate? Why 5%? Because that's been the average return over economic cycles for all these kind of pension funds that have been invested. Um, and we'll put the money in to building kind of social housing that will be then valued at historic kind of values, not a current market value. values. These kinds of returns um, gives guaranteed kind of returns rather than investing in speculative kind of paper. Let's take out, if we're not going to abolish these kind of capital flows, let's at least use them for more kind of desirable outcomes that also kind of fit the kind of level of returns that you've been getting. We've used kind of PFI, you know, private finance initiative where it, the state didn't invest in our kind of in, in, in our schools or in our hospitals. The private sector did. And the returns have been astronomic. Let's take the kind of debate of what would be kind of class and say, well, where is who owns the kind of capital? Who manages it? And that's not the kind of the answer I learned, kind of, uh, that fits kind of tidily into a box. It is is my take.
1: I remember Aditya Chakraborty wrote a piece in The Guardian a while back saying that the British economy has got very good at ripping off its people for basic utilities, that Britain now has got the highest train fares, the highest water rates, etc. That idea that that, that you're talking about, that the rate of return uh, for this foundational economy has gone completely out of kilt it, it, would you now say that, that that kind of financial model of over exploiting, over leveraging the foundational economy now defines the British
2: economy? I mean, what we've got in the UK, if you look at just the electricity and kind of the tariffs, which again, the regulators intervened on, but unless we have kind of confusion pricing, can you actually tell, right, looking at all the kind of the tariffs, which one is actually the best for you? Do you want to spend the best part of a day kind of working out what is the kind of the best tariff in each kind of utility? Uh, It becomes kind of fastball. In terms of train tickets, if you turn up to the station to buy your ticket on the day you're going to travel, you will pay an astronomic sum. But if you bought it on the Internet a day before, you could have got it at sometimes like 20 percent of the price as though it's kind of desirable to have airport-style, you know, air, airline-style kind of pricing for kind of basic utilities, farcical. And those kind of trains that you see, I mean, I mean, if we look at kind of Virgin Trains, they neither owned the rail, they didn't own the trains, but what they did have was a franchise on clipping your ticket. The state invested approximately $9 billion to build a new line right up to kind of, you know, from, from London, Euston, up to kind of Manchester, not part of it was paid for by the, by the private sector. But I'd like to extend that a little bit more. Under this crisis, certainly in the UK, contracts have been doled out to kind of companies. Was there any kind of checks whether their ownership is actually offshore to avoid UK taxation? So we want this kind of desirable kind of outcome of a better funded you know, NHS. Oh, why aren't we putting more resources into this? Yet the very people who are actually kind of managing it are those that can skip the kind of the obligation to pay for it as well.
1: Is there any issue that you'd like to raise or any, any important points of the foundation economy that are left outstanding?
2: There's a couple of things. I mean, I just want to kind of run through kind of, you know, the, the foundation economy collective. We work as a collective and, and we try to kind of publish without uh, directly uh, aligning with our kind of institutions, What we're trying to kind of generate is a forum for kind of collected kind of ideas. We have a website, foundationaleconomy.com. All the papers and all the reports, they're all free to download. But what we have done is produced a kind of a manifesto, which is kind of 10 points. And it's up to your listeners. They could add to this. um, They could take something away. But what we're starting with kind of, you know, is so we're running kind of, you know, using ideas that come from kind of car manufacturing, to run kind of hospitals. What I'd say is that if Toyota didn't get the gearbox, nobody dies, right? Um, But in kind of hospitals, they do, and care, they do. If we want kind of decent care, stop warehousing old people in uh, in the outskirts of town, integrate old people into kind of society and build inside kind of cities in near their localities where the families can be close. Um, This is all possible. Because the funding that we're putting into activities such as kind of buying bits of kind of paper and trading it can be used for productive purposes. When things go wrong, we still would have had those care homes. We would still had decent kind of care facilities. Um, housing and energy um, uh, are, are immediate kind of um, problems. This doesn't necessarily mean that the state takes it away. It could be kind of regionally owned. It could be kind of cooperatively owned. We've got to think of what do we want with the service? These are collectivized kind of activities. But also there's a kind of broader kind of problem of if we're talking about resources and let's return to resources, what is the greatest gift that we actually give to business? And this is not a rhetorical question, Joel and Alan. What is the greatest gift that we give to business? Access
0: to communities, access to desire.
2: From an economic standpoint then, limited liability, free of charge, where are the kind of the obligations that should be laid on kind of companies? That if you want limited liability, these are some of the responsibilities that come with this. should be thinking about this. And in terms of kind of, you know, supermarkets, when we as society give um, give planning permission um, to supermarkets, you're giving largely a local monopoly over there. Why aren't we putting kind of obligations on those kind of supermarkets in terms of, kind of local kind of pro- produce. They should have legal and social environmental obligations. I won't get into kind of the details of this, but I mean, have a look at it, you know, you know on, on the Foundation Economy kind of website. If we want kind of a better Foundation Economy, you've got to kind of, we've got to get real in terms of, you know, we're going to have to reform taxes on income expenditure and wealth Wealth is hugely kind of concentrated and largely untaxed. There's ways around kind of the taxation, and in terms of kind of investment in pension funds, and I think I've covered this kind of before. They should go into kind of provision of kind of material infrastructure. There's no reason why it can't be. Where is the political will? We were told that austerity was really important before the kind of crisis. A former prime minister in the UK said there was no magic money tree. Well, wow where there is a political will, they found this kind of magic money tree now. If we're looking kind of even being a bit more ambitious, look at our kind of cities and towns and rural areas, develop live work transition kind of plans. We've been trying all these kind of great kind of ideas uh, about kind of enhancing economic growth. Um, But certainly in kind of the UK, um, the UK has been struggling over the last 40 years to get over kind of two and a half to 3% economic growth. Is the growth kind of prison the right way to look at this? In terms of kind of rebuild kind of technical and administrative kind of capacity, when you demonise the public sector um, and you privatise it, you also take out skills and its technical kind of capabilities. When we're in a kind of crisis, local knowledge would have ensured much better outcomes than we've actually had. And we should be looking to restore that. But in terms of kind of action, this isn't just about kind of writing about it. This requires kind of action. And I'd say it kind of crosses all kind of political divides, but it's not enough just to kind of you know, produce kind of evidence as we've seen producing lots of evidence has produced very little change. If you want kind of better outcomes, it's not just simply kind of writing about them. Um, it's kind of the academics kind of privileged to be able to write about them. It is also kind of, you know, finding ways to enact them. And if you're looking at ways to enact them, look at Wales which has adopted the ideas, some of the ideas of foundation economy, but they've actually put money behind some of the plans, which have bypassed kind of traditional kind of outlets and they've gone for kind of grassroots as well to fund them. Um, Because many of the ideas do not reside just simply in universities, they're out there in society. And we've got to find ways to kind of tap them as well.
1: Indeed we do. Well, thank you very much, Sukhdev. That was very informative.
0: Thanks very much, Sukhdev. This was very, I've learned a lot.